It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. Dallas Estate Planning and Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen and I, the co-host Don Crawford Jr., a very blessed owner of KWM Radio, welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program, hopelessly devoted to protecting your family, your assets, and you. Well, hello, Michael Cohen. How are you, sir? Well, Don, how about yourself? I'm doing fine, thank you. Once again, here we are via telephone as we're still being overly cautious, extra cautious, in a good way, in my opinion, and keeping our distance and doing the program over the phone for about a year and a half now, just so we can keep ourselves and our potential clients, our employees, our existing clients, all out of harm's way. And it seems like you're doing the same thing. Yeah, we are. We're just being on the safe side. Of course, I look forward to um, getting back to being in person, both as far as doing the radio show at the radio station like we did in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are meeting with clients individually um, uh, at the office, uh, but we're just not having the workshops where there's a big group of people uh, at um, uh, in a group at this time waiting for the pandemic to subside a little bit, which I'm hoping has peaked and that we're going to soon be on the way to being somewhat back to normal, although I don't know that we'll ever be back to uh, normal as we used to know it. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, what percentage these days of your clients are meeting with you uh, virtually or via the internet versus in person? I would say that um, probably it may be half and half now. Half uh, and half. So yeah, yeah, it kind of it's kind of grown mm-hmm. uh, as time goes by, where more and more people just are getting back to normal, where people are, are meeting. Mm-hmm. in the office, but uh, but still some people would prefer uh, either because of travel or or because of safety uh, just to do things by Zoom or phone the old-fashioned way. Old-fashioned way. Yeah, I don't know how old-fashioned Zoom is, but uh, telephone certainly is, and I, I agree with the Zoom concept. Uh, it's really helped me out significantly with the other radio stations I oversee, um, and it allows me to connect with people face-to-face, even though it's online, very quickly whenever I need to. So I'm grateful for it, and uh, I'm glad that we're, you were able to use that service. I'm glad that you are, too. And people will be able to see you in action, either during those private vision meetings that you have with clients who attend the workshop or the workshops themselves, because um, you're especially good and able to demonstrate your competence when they can see you. Um, of course, there's nothing like in person, but at least there are Zoom options for your clients and uh, for my clients as well. But I look forward to meeting people in person, personally. Yeah, uh, I, I do like too. Them. Today, Michael, we want to talk about a topic that we've touched upon over the years. We've been doing this great program, and that subject is conditional 
gifts. Would you explain to the audience what that means and why you want to talk about that today? The reason why I want to talk about it is because I just happened to have a client that signed a, a trust just this week that had a conditional gift that I thought was a little bit on the interesting side. Uh, conditional gift is that there are certain conditions to get the inheritance or to, in, to give some sort of incentive for somebody to do something. So it could be uh, for financial reasons. It just could be for health reasons. It could be for educational reasons. It could be for marital reasons, things like that, that you want to encourage certain activities. So uh, I had one this week uh, where the I thought it was interesting that the children, unfortunately, had a drug addiction or maybe be on drugs. And so, uh, so one of the conditions for the child to get an inheritance was they had to take a hair follicle test at the discretion of when by the trustee of the trust. Uh, if it came back negative, then um, they had one year to get clean, basically. Wow. And if they got clean in the first, if, if they got clean the first year, they could get their the trust that was set up for the child or children uh, would be funded. If not, it went right to the grandchildren. And well, I mean, the grandchildren were not were old enough to get funds and things like that. So they had, and actually they even had, uh, just not to be prejudiced, they had the executor and the trustee take a test as well. So it was kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of times you have a trust for somebody who has an addiction, whether it be drugs or alcohol or whatever, because they can't handle funds. Uh, but in this case, they they said, you know what? If you don't get clean within a year, sorry, you lost your inheritance. So that is a conditional gift. Yeah, I know we talked a few weeks ago about somebody's trust that that uh, judges trust uh, uh, who had it went too maybe too far on basically on things that were maybe unconstitutional. But mm-hmm. most of these conditional gifts that you usually give or have, you know, are fine. And so this is, a, you know, certainly a fine uh, option. They wanted to discourage uh, somebody from being on drugs and mm-hmm. to get clean. And so that's certainly a legitimate and uh, thoughtful way of trying to uh, encourage good health. Yeah. Let me ask you a question before you go any further. Why would you test the executor? Oh, they just wanted to make sure that the kids didn't complain about the executor, why me and not them. Uh, so they just, really? that was that was their idea, you know. So they were just trying to say, look, we're trying to be fair. We want to do the right thing. So we're not just picking on you, even though you have a history of a problem that we want to try to encourage to fix. So that's why. That would normally, you're right, that normally wouldn't be in there, but that's just what the client wanted. And so we did, of course, whenever you do documents, uh, state planning documents, wills, trust, or whatever. You always just what we always try to do is say, well, what do you want? And then we just try to achieve whatever the goals are of the client. In this mm-hmm. case, this is what they wanted. So this, and so we just had to, you know, make language that would uh, fit with what they, what their goals uh, were. Right. Um, I think a year, Mike, is a reasonable amount of time, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And see, the, and, and apparently, well, I, I didn't know anything because I know, quite frankly, nothing about drugs. Uh, the uh, I didn't realize that there's these other tests that, like, uh, let's say a urine test, that things could get out of your system in a short period of time, whereas on a hair follicle test, uh, you could tell for a longer, much longer period of time if somebody was 
trying to do something. And on some of these other tests, they mask uh, things that, uh, like drugs or whatever, uh, whereas on the hair follicle test, uh, it's going to be much more valid and will be good for a lot longer period of time, which I mm. had no clue about. Interesting. Uh, that's fascinating about addictions. Um, are there, were there other addictions that uh, your client wanted to address in his plan, um, or is it just drugs? It was just it was just drugs in this mm-hmm. particular case. But you know, there's as you say, uh, there's lots of different types of addictions: uh, drugs, alcohol, gambling. So a lot of times, even in your uh, in our legal documents, when we say that uh, somebody is a fiduciary, a fiduciary is like an executor or a trustee. We say we define what's disabled, and we mention that those with disabilities cannot serve as a fiduciary general. Hmm. So, uh, so in other words, if they have a gambling addiction or alcohol addiction or drug addiction, they cannot serve in a uh, capacity as a uh, somebody that should be trusted. Uh, so now, of course, if the client wants to have that person act, and then we have to say, you know, whatever it is the client wants. But generally, we don't want somebody with an addiction to be in charge of our assets. So drug addictions are uh, one type of condition that mm-hmm. somebody uh, could plan to protect uh, from that person uh, squandering assets and making sure that they're not on uh, drugs. Mm-hmm. But there are other things that people uh, encourage or discourage. Uh, I know that one of my favorite stories is one we've told on the radio before, is uh, that is the the encouragement of the child to do well financially. Uh, We had a situation one time where uh, the parent had set up a trust, and the way to remove the parent from being a trustee, they had, as opposed to having a doctor, sometimes you have a doctor determine uh, when somebody lacks mental capacity, or maybe two doctors. But, you know, in these pandemic days, uh, where it may be more difficult to go to the doctor, maybe the doctor won't see you, maybe uh, it takes a while before you are seen. Of course, there may be the cost of going to a doctor. A lot of times people have what's called a disability panel and or some sort of panel that would determine when the person lacks mental capacity. Usually it's family members, people that you trust, on that panel. You get to choose who those panel members are. And of course, if you have mental capacity, uh, then a lot of times if you think that something's rotten in Denmark, you could choose, change who your disability panel is. Mm. Well, in this case, there were two daughters as well as spouse on the disability panel for dad. Now, one daughter, and it said majority rules. Uh, when the majority thinks that uh, dad is disabled, he can no longer be in charge of his own trust. Well, one of the daughters who didn't have any assets and whose husband didn't like to work, just wanted to get funds from dad, uh, said, um, hey, sister, let's say that dad's disabled so he can no longer be the trustee. Now, dad had created a trust within his trust so that after he and mom had died that the children would get their funds, but it was going to be protected from lawsuits bad marriages and spouses remarrying, things like that. But basically, the kids were going to be in charge of their own money 
uh, in a way, there's a couple different ways of doing this under law. You can either have a, it's called a standard like health education, maintenance and support, or you get the permission of a co-trustee hmm. uh, to get, uh, and that'll give credit protection too. So basically, so in other words, let's say you had a, a either a, a, a trust that said, okay, when I die, it goes to my two children, but each gets one half uh, and they're charged of their own trust in a way. Hmm. All right. So, uh, and, and dad had given them the ability to be in charge of their own trust after both he and mom died. Uh, now he got wind of the fact that the da- one daughter had said to the other daughter, let's say that dad lacks capacity so that he can no longer be in charge of his own assets. Well, dad got wind of it and he said, you know what? I think, uh, I'm going to change my trust. He had a revocable trust, which means he could always revoke it or amend it. And so he still wanted the daughter to have her one half, but she wasn't going to be able to get any funds from the trust. She would no longer be the trustee of her own trust, so she was no longer in charge of her own trust. But she, until she was age 70, until she was age 70, she would only get $1 for each dollar that she either earned or the uh, invest, earnings, whether it be from investments or from work. If they didn't like to work and they didn't have any money to invest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so they got nothing because one bad deed <laughs> resulted in another. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so he basically gave an incentive for them to work and to invest. And so, you know, so it was a, a I think a good thing. And I, I think it's kind of, uh, I think it's something we should encourage, and so I like that. Uh, I, I, that's one I like the way they did that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and of course, he changed his disability panel, where that one daughter uh, was any position that she would be as far as any kind of fiduciary. Um, another type of condition is to promote education or values. So, I tell the story uh, that I told my daughter. When she went to college, uh, I, I told her, I said, Wendy, who's uh, when she was a freshman, uh, she came home for spring break. And I said, Wendy, um, I got some good news and bad news. And she said, OK, tell them to me. And I said, well, the good news is if, if mommy and I died in a common accident, your college education is paid for. She said, oh, that's the good news. What's the bad news? I said, it's good news that mommy and I died in a common accident. And she said, well, I know you, daddy. There must be a catch. And I said, well, there's this one little minor condition. And that is that all you have to do to have those college education funds is to simply maintain a 3.8 GPA for three consecutive semesters. Well. Uh, now, so, <laughs> now she did well, but the uh, but and of course I was just joking. But uh, although she did did it, uh, sure. the the idea is that you can encourage people to do well in school. It could be that you're encouraging them to get a certain amount of degrees. It could be that you encourage them, uh, that, and the, let's say you get degrees quicker. Maybe you get your money quicker. Maybe you get a certain. Maybe do earn more money. And you could get money quicker if you've gotten to set, you know, been established quicker. You could have all sorts of different incentives, values, promotions, whatever those values may be, 
to try to get somebody to do something that you want. Now, again, there are some constitutional issues. Uh, again, as I may have mentioned on the show a few weeks ago, uh, sometimes things are unconstitutional if you try to say things about race and some other things uh, mm-hmm. that would be against our Constitution. Uh, but for the most part, courts don't want to get involved in that type of thing, and you can do whatever you want. And so whether it's uh, being tested for drugs or whether it's in, uh, making sure that protecting somebody who's an ad- have an addiction and encourage them not to be addicted uh, or encouraging people to do well financially uh, or to invest or to do well in school, uh, these are just doing a few of the different types of conditions that you can put in your estate planning documents if you so desire. And that's the good thing about estate planning and why everybody's documents are different is because it's all what's important to you. That's all that really should matter is what is it that you want? What is it that you want to? Just think of it as estate planning is almost like uh, uh, your final letter. What would you really like to have happen? Of course, you have to consider some other issues like taxes or disability and things like that. But you could, it's the final letter of telling people what you, what's important to you. And so you could do that. just have to kind of think about what that is, and then we uh, put it into words. I'm glad to hear that. That's so very important. And uh, it, it's a tailored plan coming from you based on what your potential or existing clients tell you they want. That's the bottom line with you as an estate planning attorney, which you've been for decades now. You understand, and you're there to just make it right for that person. And, and that's great because you don't... Um, inject your opinions or thoughts when it comes to what you think is morally correct or what is ethically right. Um, you may do that here and there when you're really uh, called to do it, but for the most part, that's up to them, um, unless it's it's unconstitutional, as you said. But you know, each person's situation is case by case, and to ensure that yours is constitutional, is legal, is safe, is protected. Um, you should bring yourself, maybe your plan, at least mentally, uh, to the next workshop, which is Michael's Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, which is online, so it's done virtually. And that next one, where you can sign up free and not have to leave the comforts of your own home for that Estate Planning Essentials Workshop, is Saturday, October the 2nd at 10 a.m. And, Michael, please elaborate on what goes on at the workshops. Well, as you said, it's free. It's no obligation. We have a... Uh, we ask people what they want to know, whatever it is that they want to know, and about estate planning or elder law. And as you say, that I've been doing this for a while. In fact, I tell people I'm an elder elder law attorney. But in any event, the uh, uh, we ask people what they want to know, and we also have a presentation. So kind of go over the general things that people often want to know about. But then we ask questions, and it's interactive. So you learn from the questions of others that – uh, you may not even have thought of it may affect you or your loved ones. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, for two hours, we go over. Of course, you're, 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 it could be at the comforts of your own home by looking at just at your laptop or from your phone. We give directions. Even if you don't never use Zoom before, we teach you. And it's very simple, and you don't have to worry about anything just except for calling and to uh, or signing up uh, on our website, which is Dallas elderlawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, uh, or calling us at 
214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102 to sign up for that two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, answering whatever questions that you might have without any obligation. Of course, other KWM listeners have known from listening to our show for it's been on for years now that if you go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give you one more big benefit, and that is another one-hour free uh, meeting with me uh, with no out any obligation. Uh, that could also be either by Zoom or by phone or in person, whatever suits your fancy, as they say. Uh, we do that as a courtesy as well. So that's three free hours of education on whatever it is that you want to know without any um, concern of obligation. Excellent. Good to hear. Again, two hours for the workshop. And then that private meeting is called a vision meeting. And Michael's been providing uh, free of charge for many, many years, too. So sign up today for that Saturday, October the 2nd, 10 o'clock in the morning, a virtual Zoom workshop. Michael, has anybody ever asked you to put something in their estate plan that was illegal? I'm trying to think. Um, Sorry to set yes. you up with that question. Um, yeah, 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 I did. I, 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 yeah, I, I did. Um, well, actually, it was it was legal. Well, it depends on the state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. It, 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 it may have been legal in Texas, but um, may have been uh, illegal in other st- other states. Um, so sometimes when it gets into uh, religion and race. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, some, you know, sexuality, uh, mm-hmm. some of those things that are kind of uh, borderline. Uh, they say, I only want you to uh, marry somebody that's, uh, let's say, Catholic or Jewish or mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Uh, that then, and then it's, and if especially if it's not uh, a child, let's say it was a grandchild, that um, then it becomes uh, more actually more legal uh, than, um, but anyway, it gets into some hairy situations uh, that some courts allow and some courts don't allow based upon constitutionality issues. Uh, and so it does get a little bit um, more difficult. Uh, I know there was a Dallas case where uh, somebody was studying to be a priest. I didn't have this case. And the obligation, the condition was that he have a child before age 40. And he really, that's not what he wanted. Uh, but to get his inheritance, that was was required. Uh, so, um, and so that was that was stood. Uh, uh, you know, that was okay under court under our laws. Uh, and so, but it was probably uh, not what uh, would be necessarily recommended. Because is that really what you want to uh, encourage? Um, I mean, I know it's a good thing to have children and things like that, but I suppose should we also consider the legacy that we've created by our will? Is that what you really feel like is important? Um, and that's a matter of personal preference. Uh, and so it does get to questions about um, is this crossing the line? Yeah. So, yes, like there has to be some situations where, where they're close, uh, yeah. but I think every time it's legal. What what bothers you more when there are insufferable strings attached in the estate plan or maybe when there's no plan at all? Well, at least if somebody's thought about it, 
then I think that's a good thing. I think the worst situation was if somebody doesn't do anything, that means they're, they don't care about anything. I mean, it's like, I shouldn't say it that way, but you know, it, to me, a lot of times I'm telling people when, uh, I had somebody in this week and they came in with their disabled child and, um, I was telling the disabled child, I said, this is mom and dad's way of telling you that they love you and they care about you mm-hmm. and that that's what they've done in these documents to make sure that you're taken care of for the rest of your life. So I prefer that mm-hmm. um, than somebody who has who didn't do anything yeah, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, it, it, it comes back to bite them because yeah. it makes it much more difficult if they had to go through the process. Remember we told a story a couple of weeks about, you know, about the person who had COVID but, and, and they didn't have powers of attorney and the uh, wife uh, lacked mental capacity because they didn't plan. Now the, client, the, the kids have to go to court. They have to seek guardianship. They have to go through all this process and pay a lot of legal fees. All that if they could simply just, done some basic things that kids would say, oh, thank God mom and dad took care of us. Instead, kids are starting to think, why didn't they do that? Yeah. Why didn't they Why did they make things more difficult? Even if they had a small estate, why didn't they just take care of business? Why don't they care? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the answer is going to be, I think it's worse to uh, have done nothing because it shows that it really didn't, you didn't really care. And yeah. um, uh, whereas the person who may have had more restrictions, at least they thought about things, they wanted to do things, and there was a reason for what they did. Uh, for, and so, so I think that that would be my answer. Okay. And I appreciate that. I know the audience does too. We also appreciate those free workshops that you provide, you know, almost twice a month now. And the next one is Saturday, October the 2nd at 10 o'clock. It allows you to attend via Zoom. You don't have to be there in person. You don't even have to show your face. You can just do it, the audio, not the video, uh, however you want to do it. Just dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Sign up for Michael's next estate planning essentials workshop or go to Dallas Elder, E-L-D-E-R, lawyer. Dot com. Our Dallas elder lawyer, Michael Cohen. We thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did it A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.